Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of gospel reflection, a ministry of stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Tom DeAngelis, Rick Cackman, and Rob Longo. Welcome one and all. Good to be here, David. Awesome, awesome. We're all members of Stewardship and Mission of Faith. You can find us on the website and look at all the amazing materials that we have available free at no charge. Donations are accepted. With that, let's get our Bibles out, and we're going to turn to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. But before we do that, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us break open the bread of life? I would love to. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of Advent. And as we continue our journey through Advent, uh, we just ask you, please, to just to open our hearts to what you have in store for us. Uh, open our hearts in a way that, and in places that we may never have opened them before, so you can enter into uh, to those those nooks and crannies, um, into the places where we might have been hiding some things uh, from you, Lord. Just help us to just have a completely open heart for you to do what you do best, which is uh, which is heal and restore. Uh, just give us the courage to, to approach your mercy during this season of Advent, uh, just to fully confess and repent from anything that's keeping us away from you so that our hearts are ready for you to be born into them uh, at Christmas, but just you know, every day, Lord. Uh, as we open up your word, your love letter for this Sunday, please guide us, please give us the courage to live the word, not just to, to, uh, to be hearers of the word, but just to, to live the word in our homes, in our schools, at our businesses, on the ball field, every single, every single place uh, where you have us, Lord, and, and with every person that we meet. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And uh, Tom, before we start, do you mind doing a prayer that's in our little Stewardship Permission of Faith prayer booklet? It's called the Prayer of Abandonment, because as we look at the life of John the Baptist, who totally abandoned everything for the Lord Jesus Christ to bring the message of salvation to the world and repentance to the world. Can you pray that prayer that we can all be ready our hearts to walk that journey with the Lord? Prayer of abandonment. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart, for I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands, without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Tom. And Rick, do you mind giving us a little bit of gospel love? The gospel today is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. 
a voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the Baptist appeared in the desert proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He fed on locusts and wild honey. And this is what he proclaimed, One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. As, uh, as, as Rick was reading the, the part about uh, what John the Baptist said, one mightier than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. As, uh, as Rick, as you, as you were reading that, I was thinking of Jesus, that what did he do to show us how to, to truly be leaders? He stooped and washed his apostles' feet, right? So here John is saying that he's not worthy to, to untie his, his sandals, Jesus' sandals, and then Jesus, out of a pure example of love and humility, being a servant leader, he showed his apostles and he shows each one of us what it truly means, that we need to stoop and, uh, and lower ourselves uh, out of love and service to others. And when we do that out of a pure heart, we're loving and serving God, and God is, uh, is, is in everyone, um, especially those who are in most disguise, that we don't see him and the world doesn't see anything of worth or value, the most vulnerable, the most left out, left behind. Um, God is there. And, and when we allow ourselves to stoop and, and meet God in those situations, it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful gift that we can give to God, and then God gives us the gift of experiencing his love and his joy and his peace through that service. That was awesome, Rob. And, and as I'm reading the first sentence, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As I was reading that, I'm thinking, wow, we continue this gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, through our yes to the Lord. We are then sent by the Father, especially at the end of every Mass, the priest always says, he sends us. We are sent as messengers of God's beautiful truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, salvation, life in abundance, the spiritual life that's alive. And, and, and so for me, to even understand that God is choosing each of us as he chose John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Lord to come. And I'm looking at that and saying, we are called to prepare the hearts of the people that we meet every day. Prepare the soil of the heart, removing the rocks and the obstacles, which is sin in the person's life by the grace of God. And then water, watering the soil of the heart that others have prepared, fertilizing that soil, and then planting the seeds in those, in those hearts of that soil that's ready, allowing God then to grow them. So for me, that preparing of the way, we read of John the Baptist, who God sent as a messenger to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. Guess what? We are all called to be his messengers. We are all called to share the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, salvation in, through, and with him, and prepare that way, preparing the soil of the hearts, so that when those seeds are planted, God can grow them, and another one is created, another messenger of God's good news. And, and you know, uh, the, one of the things that, I, that I've that i really kind of noticed uh, 
just today in re- reading this is we, we think of John the Baptist as this, you know, this kind of rough, tough, uh, out in the desert kind of guy, you know, eats lo- locusts and wild honey and you know, wears camel hair. But how um, how merciful God's love is to work through a person like that and have people flock to him to repent their sins and be washed, you know, sacramentally or symbolically, if you will, in the Jordan. And what a relief it must have been for people who had no other way to, you know, to uh, unload their sins, you know, to to be able to look at, at life in a completely different way and have this rough around the edges guy call them out of their desert of sin, you know, and bring them to the water of life and have them wash and be clean. And what a what an experience of God's mercy it must have been for them. Um, again, the, the whole contrast between this rough and tough guy from the desert and and God's mercy being being shared with them, and his and his uh, his crying out in the wilderness. You know, his his God, that's God's mercy crying out in the wilderness. We're stuck in the wilderness of sin, and God constantly cries out to us to come. The other thing that that hit me real quickly is that you know John says. I baptize with water, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. First we repent our sins, and then when we have our God-given innocence, because we've put those things aside and embraced the Lord's forgiveness and his mercy, then and only then are we properly disposed to take the Holy Spirit into our life, which essentially is God's sacrificial love, for us to be able to share his sacrificial love and to love sacrificially the way Jesus did all the way to the cross, we can't, um, we can't love like that with sin in our heart. We have to be purified and cleansed, and only then can we then uh, share that, uh, that gift of God's life. And that's so important, Tom, what you just brought up about sin, because we've been given the great sacrament of reconciliation we have priests. They don't charge us like psychologists and psychiatrists charge us. They're, they're a free gift from God because the Scriptures tell us, confess your sins to one another. And oh my goodness, they are a safe human being to confess your sins to, and then God works through them. And if we go there truly, and it says right here, acknowledge our sins. Tell them all. Don't hold back because when we hold back, we let the key in the lock of the, of the prison cell of sin, and it's locked from the inside, and we don't turn it to get out. You've got to get it all out. You've got to acknowledge it. You've got to have that humility to acknowledge it to another human being. That human being being the gift of a sacrament of reconciliation in a priest. So you confess your sins, and my goodness, with a contrite and, and repentant heart, the Lord then, through that priest working in persona Christi, forgives you of your sins, and you're set free. Why? So that we can then enflesh the Word of God, that we can take the good news of Jesus Christ and enflesh what we read, what we consume in the Word, in the Eucharist, and take Jesus Christ out into the world. So that, to me, is awesome. And for me, after 30 years of not going to confession, when I finally confessed, oh my goodness, it took a while, I was set free. And now, if I go more than two weeks, if I'm up to three weeks, I could feel in my spirit the uncleanliness, and I don't feel good. And so I go back, and I, I go back to that sacrament and get cleaned again. And you know what? If I fall in a week, I go back the next week to stay clean. That is so important for each and every one of us. If you haven't been to confession, 
The enemy gives us fear. I can't tell the priest that. Stop that. The priest has heard it all. God has heard it all and seen it all. Go and confess your sins. Get set free. That, uh, it is the greatest gift God gave me in Jesus Christ, in his giving of his life for me. When I confess those sins, I'm set free. I'm set free. To do what? To be a vessel of his pure love to a world right now that is a desert, Tom, that's starving, starving for that truth. And the sacrament that he, that he gives us with reconciliation is not for him. You know, it's for us. Like you said, David, it's not, it's not that he needs to know what we did because he was there. He, he knows. It's for us. It's a, just a pure gift of his love that he knows uh, we needed a way to, to be reconciled with him, a tangible way. Uh, and when we hear that prayer of absolution at the end, isn't it the best? That when you're just mm-hmm. soaking that in, that God is, is it's, it's, it's gone. It's gone. God is, has forgiven us, and, uh, and we are back in right relationship with him. And you know, just the definition of a sacrament, an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I haven't committed any mortal sins. I'll, I'll, I'll wait till I get a big one. No, we receive the grace to live the life that we're supposed to live. So when we go weekly, people say, well, isn't that too much? No, we're, we're, we're receiving the grace to be the, the, the men and women that we're called to be. You know, and I've heard people many times say, well, I just confess my sins right to God. And we as Catholics understand, absolutely, we do that at the beginning of every Mass. We acknowledge, we acknowledge we're sinners. We've fallen short. And we ask who to pray for us. We ask Mother Mary to pray for us, all the saints to pray for us, and angels, and also all of our brothers and sisters gathered at that Mass to pray for us. You betcha. But you see, sacred Scripture commands us to confess our sins to one another which is a great act of humility. And then God empowered the apostles who passed it on down when he said, whose sins you've forgiven are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained. This great gift, this sacrament, as you said, Rob, established by Christ, is a sign of humility. He, God knew we need to confess our sins to another human being so that God can use that human being and the counsel of that priest in that confessional time to give us the, 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 the heavenly kisses from God, the challenge points from God, to help us be set free. But if we just say, oh, it's just me and God, that's not scriptural. It's not. Mm-hmm. We're called to confess our sins to one another. Yes, we as Catholics understand. We can confess our sins direct to God every day. Absolutely. Ask for forgiveness. But we also understand God said we need to go to him through a priest, through the gift that he gave us in that sacrament. And, you know, the, uh, you're exactly right, David. The uh, One of the traditional practices that spiritual directors share with people they direct is to examine our conscience at the end of the day and ask God's forgiveness before we, before we go to, go to sleep. Um, I, I think too, it's important for us to remember that, um, if, if the material experience of confessing our sins or being baptized with water or being anointed with oil was not important, then why did God become a human being? Why did he take flesh? Why did he become material? If, if that stuff isn't important. Um, and, you know, the sacrament of penance for me, I think the part I dislike the most when it's over is the part that I find the most satisfaction from. That is, I hate being humbled at the beginning and having to go in there and feel uncomfortable about confessing my sins. But the relief that comes from that experience when it's over, 
is is not like any other experience. It's not like in the evening when I examine my conscience and say, you know, I could have done that a little bit better, or tomorrow I'm going to work on that. So you know, try to try to get that to be where it needs to be. But it's a whole different experience when I actually physically express my sin. There's a humbling that I intensely dislike. And the other thing, when I think about that, I reflect on it, particularly with regard to little things, little sins, is, and I, you read this in, you know, the saints, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese, a little flower, um, St. John of the Cross, St. Catherine of Siena, is this horror of venial sin that we should develop over a period of time, because any sin is an affront to God. Any sin is, is us moving away from God. And relative to where we are with God, sin is just something we need to be working on all the time. And, and as we work on that and we realize that the closer we get to God, the bigger that gap is, just even from a venial sin. We don't have to commit murder or, you know, or, uh, you know, violate our marriage vows or something like that. Just not being sensitive to another person, just not being awake and aware, just not paying attention to the importance of love in our life and how we share that with other people, with our family, with the people that we work with. Those things are enough to alienate us from God. And the closer we get to God, the bigger those gaps look to us. And so this this practice of frequent confession, I think, is a very important thing for us to draw closer to Christ, draw closer to God. And it's important for us to do those things because if it wasn't, why did God become a human? Why did he enflesh himself? Why did he become one of us, if it's not important for us to do those things in, in the flesh. And those venial sins, those are entry points for the enemy to mm-hmm. pump his poison into our hearts and to blind us. I mean, I've heard many men say, oh, I've never committed adultery on my wife, but you're addicted to pornography, but that's not committing adultery. I never acted out. But Jesus said, if you look with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. So you have. We then justify our sins. You know, I mean, it's terrible. But why? Because the enemy has an entry point into our hearts, and it ends up contaminating our hearts and our souls and blinding us. So, man, venial sins, all of that, we got to get rid of them. we got to get them out of our system. And I love the one here. It says, one mightier than I. We all need to follow John the Baptist's example here. We are not God. We are messengers. Never take credit for what God has done in us, with us, and through us. Everything we do, if somebody gives us a praise for something we spoke about or help that we gave them or whatever, we need to receive that gift for God. Because when I was meeting with Bishop Rhodes one time, he said, you know, David, one of the greatest traps of sin, one of the most deadly sins, is spiritual pride. And as we continue our journey and get closer to the Lord, spiritual pride can slip in, and man, that'll take you out quicker than anything, because then you start judging people. Then you start doing so many things that they'll just blind you and end up spiritually killing you. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at the great saints, the closer they got to God, the more they realized how unworthy they were. Um, yeah, so that's, that's beautiful, that, you know, because the spiritual pride... Sin of spiritual pride could, can creep in. So it's just such a gift that we have the models that we do and the role models that we do in, in our saints that, that the closer they got to God, the more they realize, wow, you know, mm-hmm. I, I am really not worthy. I am not worthy. And then, you know, in, in speaking about venial sins and just you know, any sin being an affront to God, uh, we have a, 
a gift in our church. Uh, gift. His, his name is Father Michael Gately, and Father Gately wrote a book called Consoling the Heart of Jesus. It's a, it's a self-directed retreat based on St. Ignatius of Loyola's 30-day retreat, but you know, most people don't have time for 30-day retreat, and actually someone got it down to eight days, but who has time for eight? And he got it down to a weekend self-directed retreat, and that book is awesome. The, the, the teaching in that book and the, and the, the principle of your life, if, if it becomes consoling the heart of Jesus, then everything that we do is an opportunity to console his heart. But then on the flip side, everything that we do that, you know, when we miss an opportunity to love or when we commit a sin or when we have a, you know, impure thought or our words aren't, aren't speaking love, then we're, we're wounding his heart. So right now, now we have the opportunity to console his heart, to, to pick him up when he's fallen on, the, on his way to, to his crucifixion. We have an opportunity to console his heart when he's alone hanging on the cross. We have the opportunity to console his heart now with everything that we think, say, and do when he's experiencing his passion. It's just, what a, what a great way to live your life, to, to actively be seeking opportunities to console our Savior's heart. Mm-hmm. And I think it, at the end of the day, when I do reflect on the things that have happened throughout the day, one of the things that I try to do is is I've kind of got these two images. I mean, I've got this image of God, you know, and my love of God and my reflection upon that, and then, and then other people in my life. And um, the last few months, actually, it's become a little more and more obvious to me that those things are actually the same. So it's kind of what you were saying, Rob. Like, how can I say I love God when I haven't been um, loving to, to his people? So the image that I have now is trying to get those two things to converge so that, the, so that tomorrow when I go out and talk to somebody or when I share with somebody or when somebody comes to me with a difficulty, that I can see Jesus in that person and not see Jesus as somebody I love. And then here's these other people that I need to take care of, too, because they're kind of, you know, he kind of likes them, too, as opposed to that person is Jesus. When I console his heart, when I help him through a difficulty, when I listen to his problems, when I um, offer him a suggestion or a solution, uh, when I back away and things are difficult, um, that I'm actually doing that for Jesus. And that, that's a difficult thing, I think, to keep in mind with the busyness of the day and all the complexities of things that happen. You know, and as messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and I was looking here, you know, we're called to prepare the way for the Lord. And I looked at what we just did this weekend with my family. We gathered all the children together, and we said, we want to give you a gift, and we're going to encourage you to give half of that gift to a needy cause or person or something the Lord puts in your heart, and then to invest half of that gift in your future. What does it look like? And I'll tell you what, when we were done the presentation, we used about 14 scripture verses. We actually created a little booklet that a lot of people already asked for when I showed some of my friends. They, they, what they came back with their hearts were opened. You know, it says prepare the way for the Lord. We prepare the way for the Lord to pierce their hearts, for the Lord to penetrate their hearts with his truth of giving. And my, my one, uh, my one uh, niece said to me, am I part of this? I said, absolutely. She said, I want to give to the Shriver's Medical Center because they do spe- things for special needs children. And another one said, we want to buy coats and jackets and give it to the homeless. And another one said this and another one said that. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, my goodness, look at the Lord at work in the hearts of our children. A lot of people just leave a will and give money to the children. This is leaving a legacy. 
This is leaving a legacy that will affect future generations. What does it look like to give? And what does that look like scripturally? What does God look at? And then what does it look like to invest? Honoring God. So it was so powerful. But to me, it's this scripture verse. We're a messenger of truth. When we let fear silence us in our family, then that's faith in the wrong kingdom. That's listening to the enemy. But when we share truth, we prepare the way for the Lord to pierce and penetrate their hearts and to grow those seeds of faith that have been planted by many others. So it's, it's powerful. And my one daughter, she had school on Monday. Everybody else had off. And she said, Dad, take me out. Take me out early. Take me out early. I said, how can I take you out early? She said, just tell them I have an appointment. Uh-oh. Ding, ding, ding. Teaching moment. I said, well, I can't do that because that's lying. And she went, really? I said, that's not a truth. And I can't say a non-truth. So I got to be, I had an opportunity to be a messenger to her that no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, you can't go against the Word of God. That would have been a lie. And so she just really didn't see it. So I helped her to see. Helped her to see. And as in our role as as husbands, as fathers, and and grandfathers for you guys, and for those out there, uh, sometimes we might feel that we are alone, right? A, a voice of one crying out in the desert. We might feel that there's these desert moments uh, in in our families where we feel like we're the only one following our Lord. And to console Jesus' heart to love those who are not loving God. If we're all in for God and we love God with all our hearts and there's people in our families and people that we encounter who are just kind of hands off about God or like just actively against God and then we love them anyway, man, that's, that's some serious, uh, some serious consolation for Mm -hmm. Jesus's heart. That's, you know, struggle that I have, you know, when someone's not on the team and they're actively against God, am I still loving that person, loving, loving God in that person? Well, ladies and gentlemen, today's a new day. Remember, the past is in God's mercy. To go there only causes you despair. God doesn't live in the past. The future is in God's providence. To go there causes you to play God. I call it the what-if cycle. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if. But the present is God's gift to be lived in love. May God bless each and every you every day of your life, allowing you to be a blessing to others. I'm going to repeat that. May God bless you each and every day of your life, allowing you to be a blessing to others. God bless. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make reflections from the heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you 
on your journey home to Him.